Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to July. It is July 2nd here on Drive Through HR. Uh, welcome to uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to our listeners. Uh, my name is Robin Schooling. I'm one of the hosts of the show. My co-host Mike Vandervoort is um, out on the road this week, so he won't be joining us. So it is it is just myself and our fabulously delightful guest, who um, I talk to quite a bit, but we've never done the radio show together. So this is this is going to be a, a fun conversation, and I I think we'll feel like we're sitting at the at the coffee shop or having a glass of Prosecco or something. So welcome, Joe Weech. <laughs> Thanks. This is this is an HR drive-through HR. So by virtue of the fact that it's HR, it's probably the glass of wine for sure. Yes. So, yes. Um, the Chardonnay ooh. or something. HR lady. Yeah. Chardonnay. Yeah. So, so I'm really well, excited. Well, welcome. To uh, yeah. So, um, you know, this being HR, of course, we like to start with everybody's favorite cliched, um, you know, interview question that lazy hiring managers like to ask, which is, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> don't, you, don't you hate that in an interview? It's like, I have to coach job seekers all the time, you know, in my volunteer work. <laughs> and so I have to tell them all of the creative ways to answer that question, which I really think should be yep. outlawed, you know, in some way, because mm-hmm. it's just the, one of the most useless question, questions that people can ask. But, um, so a little bit about me. I have, um, have a, a, a great big passion for in connecting them, you know, to the resources that they need, whether it's a job seeker to a job or a colleague to a vendor or anywhere that we can all just be of help in connecting each other, you know, mm-hmm. to the resources that we need to succeed. So I would say that's yep. my number one passion, and I, and I love it. And the fact that I get to work in the HR and talent acquisition industries Notice there's a pause and a comma between them because they're not one in the same. And and that, for me, has been um, a challenge, but it's also been exciting to be able to to see what's happening on both sides of the fence, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're running your your own uh, consulting business for a number of years now. Right, and I'm really specialized with, um, you know, helping startups and small companies. I love startups because you can create things from scratch and you can do it, you know, legally and in a compliant way and really be able to address the whole culture thing, you know, from the ground floor up. So that's my yeah. um, my sweet spot. But then when it comes to small companies, usually I'm brought in because the owners had a really great idea for a product or a service, but they didn't consult anybody from HR. So they're doing everything <clears throat> in a non-compliant way. And being right. fines, and you know, so then I need to go in and start yep. cleaning up messes and trying to restructure. Um, and I really like doing both. Um, mm-hmm. And the one thing that I'm finding now is that we have a lot of challenges in the workforce today uh, that there's just not a lot of resources on because we haven't cared about it. And that's why I'm really excited about talking about 
age discrimination and ageism. It's like the final one mm-hmm. ism that is legally, you know, you're. It says you're not supposed to discriminate against um, age, but there really are no provisos to go after people who are doing it. So yes, we need to yeah. come change the, this up ourselves. Yeah. The hard to. Uh, it's nebulous, you know, for people to kind of point to that as uh, unless something really uh, blatant is said or communicated or uh, it's hard for people to 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 prove if you will that that's an issue but i think you know what's going to be interesting about our conversation today is as you've kind of dove into this area you've you've uncovered a number of things so let's kind of take it back to what what kickstarted your passion and your focus around this as an issue, because this was last year, last summer. Um, right. And, and summer. you wrote an article on LinkedIn. Tell 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 everybody a little bit about that and, and what led to it and kind of what's triggered off of that. Okay. Well, one thing that I also enjoy doing is, you know, in addition to consulting, I like to work in-house because you can get a lot of things done in-house. And so my last position mm-hmm. that was full time was eliminated. And so um, I thought, okay, well, I've only ever been unemployed for eight days, you know, um, in my life. So I thought, <laughs> okay, no problem, you know, I'll just kind of see what's out there. And I was very much chagrined to discover that this was not going to be an easy job search, if you will. And despite the fact that I still was consulting, you know, I was still interviewing for full-time roles, and I had a lot right. of great friends who interviewed, you know, who not just interviewed me for fun, but also then referred me, you know, for interviews. And mm-hmm. after the course of the year, I realized that the things that I had been told as to why I wasn't going to, you know, be considered were really what I considered to be absolutely illegal. And so I wrote down just an entire page of things that I had been told and I thought, you know, I'm sure this is not just a unique experience to me. I bet you there are other people out there you know, who are experiencing mm-hmm. the same thing, which is why the title of the article that I wrote for LinkedIn is, Over 40, Have These Things Happened to You? I had mm-hmm. no idea just how viral this was going to go. You know, there's over 175,000 people who have, you know, who have um, clicked on my sharing of it, but then there's, you know, over 1,000 people who've shared it, and then... I got over 2,000 people, you know, with um, messaging me about they needed mm-hmm. help because they were having problems, mm-hmm. you know. And from Croatia to Colombia, London to Sydney, D.C. to Silicon Valley, it was just I had no idea that this was a global problem. And yeah. it was happening even with people who were just in their young 40s, you know, which really surprised me. And so I was up, you know, till 2, 3, 4 every morning, personally responding to every single message that came in. Mm. I know that I look back on that now and think, yeah, I did not sleep for a month, but um, I just felt like there are two people I had to talk away from the ledge. And that really mm. was, I felt like in a way it showed me how dramatic of a problem this is. Yeah. But then also, yeah. you know, just I was thankful that we got to talk about it, you know, and be able to refer them to people who could give them further help and yeah. actually refer them to two recruiters that actually ended up getting interviews for them. So it all worked out rather well. But I also was just disturbed, you know, at just how 
um, how deep of a problem this was, and it's not going away anytime soon. I'm sure you are yeah. aware of the fact that by 2020, which is what? It's like, you know, about five, how, how many years? No, by 20, what year is this? This is 2019. So by 2024, in five years from mm-hmm. now, over half the entire workforce is going to be over the age of 55. So this is really very important to know because of the fact that um, I had one guy from Australia take issue with me on a LinkedIn article because I get tagged in every old age article that comes out. Now, yeah. Is, <laughs> I've done it like myself too. For old age, right? And he accused me of being a selfish individual who refused to retire to make way for college graduates oh. to come into the workforce and Ugh. It was incredulous to me. So I had to sort of explain how people in my demographic, many of us are not working because this is what we want to do until we're 85, but it's um, mm-hmm. the fact that we financially are in situations because they did away with retirement. Now they have 401k, yeah. but if the market crashes, all your 401k goes down the drain too. You know, So there's no protected way to ensure that we're going to have a livable income, you know, if we stop working. So we are going to be working. So if you are under that age group and you're listening, remember, though, that while we're working, we are paying taxes. So it's to your advantage to keep us employed. And we are not taking Mm -hmm. up space that some things can do. You know, they use the term seasoned experience for a reason, because when those young people have these bright new ideas, we can tell them how, when we tried out their bright new idea, what went wrong and things they're going to want to watch for if they decide to try their quote-unquote new idea again. Yeah. So without anyone being a soundboard for those quote-unquote fresh ideas, then, you know, history will just repeat itself. So just we have a lot itself. that we can. Yeah. <laughs> so we can just really and, and I know um, balance to them. And I know one of the, one of the comments that you heard um, – that you captured in the article um, was sort of that concept. And it's amazing to me that hiring managers or CEOs or owners or whomever will say things like, Oh yeah, we, well, we, we, we do hire young people because we want the fresh ideas. Um, Right. You know, as if anybody past a certain age um, can't have a new idea or can't uh, exactly. come up with something creative or innovative um, as if, you know, we hit the age of 40 and all our brain cells dissipate and, you know, we're ready to <laughs> to, to sit in a rocking chair or something. Um, right. What are some yeah. of the other, you know, so that's the cliche that we, that we know is said a lot. Oh, well, we, yeah, we want fresh ideas. We want, uh, we want, um, you know, digital natives. Yeah, you know, they need to be tech savvy. We need digital natives, so I'm only hiring 25 year olds. Um, what are what are some of the other common <sighs> things that that people have been told? Oh, I love this. This is my all time favorite. You are overqualified for this role. Why are you even applying? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So I have been going online every time somebody makes a comment about being told that they're overqualified. I always have to chime in now and say that is the brilliant thing to be told by someone is that you're overqualified 
you, that means they're telling you that you are 100% fulfilling everything that they need for qualifications yes. for that role and then some. So you say, yes, thank you so much. When do I start? <coughs> yeah. I think that at some point, you know, to tell someone they're overqualified is like telling them, you fulfill every one of these requirements. So now all we need to do is figure out compensation. So I think yeah. that that's just, I, I would like to see that term completely, you know, retired or sunsetted or whatever, because it's, I can't think of a more insulting thing to tell a person, you know, and then the and that other, has always um, been, yeah, go ahead. One moment. Hey, Robin, it's Michael. I'm, I'm, I'm late, but on the call. Love it. Hi, how are you? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Good. We're having Sorry fun for with all of in the middle. <laughs> the key things that people tell us for why we are not being considered for roles. So in addition to being overqualified, the other thing that people like to um like to tell you is that okay, well the person that you are reporting into is much younger and has less experience and is gonna feel threatened that you'll come in and then they'll just uh, demote, you know, that person and put you in that place or they will feel like they can't manage you because you'll feel like you know it all and you will be unmanageable. And it's just a lot of what I consider to be fear factors. And it's not yeah. really based on, you know, a lot of data that really proves that point. It might just be one yeah. person that they knew, right? But it's not, you know, it's not indicative of our entire demographic. Well, and I think, you know, sometimes to, um, A, using that term overqualified forever has, has been, let's face it, shorthand for, yes, age, um, but also right. shorthand for, um, oh, we're making some assumptions that Bob, um, be, because of the, the senior roles that he's had or, the years of experience that he's had or whatever, we're making some assumptions that Bob is going to want a salary that's way out of line with what we can pay. But instead of having that conversation and saying, hey, 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 Bob, you know, the, the hiring range for this is X to X. You know, are you okay with that? And Bob may say, exactly. you bet I am, because Bob's dialing back his career or, you know, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. Um, but that assumption, that overqualified term, some t it, it it ties in age, it ties in pay, um, but again, it's an assumption by HR or the recruiter or the hiring manager, and they just kind of go there without any compunction. Right, or then the converse is what um, was told to me, um, uh, of course, in my, my favorite place to interview these days for being my age in San Francisco, 100% of the jobs I interviewed in that city, you know, or for that city, um, all found a an illegal reason to not move me forward. But one of them was, okay, well, everyone in our company, when they start, they get 10 days of leave and no exceptions. And it's like, well, so what do you do with someone who is mid-career or a senior level? And, you know, that was what they got coming out of college. And now, you know, they're at, you know, three and four weeks of leave. And they said, well, we don't care that you had that experience elsewhere. You didn't have it here in our company. So everyone starts at 10 days. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow. So that gives, 
you that a fact that people don't value seasoned experience. They'll give people, yeah. you know, six months or a year of um, maternity leave. But for those of us who are past our childbearing years, we can't actually get leave then that is commensurate with the number of years we've been in the workforce. So there's yeah. no balance there. No. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Mike a question. Um sure. because um you know, thinking about ageism and I you know, I think of your um your you know sort of professional discipline over the years in the labor relations world you know when i think of labor relations people i think of the crusty old guy mm-hmm. with a cigar in a smoke filled room you know hammering out a union contract <laughs> that's like the cliche in my mind um in that labor relations field um is there does ageism exist or or does my assumption would be the experienced labor relations professional is is gold, is worth gold because they've been I, there, done it, that. Yeah, or, I mean, or, it, it, yeah, a lot of a lot of older uh, or more senior uh, labor relations people have. There's a there's a there's a definite. I mean, I don't have any data behind this, but I just see it anecdotally with people I know yeah. and work with. There's a pretty big exit for the doors. Uh, for people who are, you know, 65 plus that are trying to get, you know, that want to take retirement, a lot of those people yeah. are working part time as consultants, though. They and there are, uh-huh. and, and in the labor relations world, there are a, there are a handful of uh, consulting firms that do, you know, certain kinds of work that require period, you know, periodic employment, anywhere from a couple of days to yeah. a couple of weeks or whatever. So, I mean, it's not like there's you know oodles of opportunities out there but for if you're good you can generally pick up some work but a lot of them have left because they want to not because their companies you know get, yeah. you know saying they're too old the so we're in the op, in professionally we're actually in the opposite end where it's like there are there's kind of a shortage of younger people coming into this huh. portion of the HR field because there's not that much, there's not that many co- companies that have unions anymore. So somebody right. comes in and they say, "Hey, you want to do labor relations?" And you know, they're they're not like, "What's that?" But they really don't know where to start. So there's a, it's kind of a, it's it's a little bit of the inverse. Um, I had a, I had, I wanted to ask Joe. I, 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 I had, a, I'll just, I'll tell a quick part part of the story. I remember about 15 years ago at a really good company, uh, we were trying to start a small. Uh, startup in Fort Worth, Texas, a uh, small startup site. And it was, I mean, it was going to be like 12 people plus, and, and we needed a site manager. And we found a very experienced, very qualified, probably well o- over qualified person um, for the role that we liked a lot. And he was 59. And we presented him, you know, we did interviews. The whole team was that was doing the selection was, you know, high on the guy. And we, we brought him to the corporate office and they said, well, he doesn't exactly fit the profile of, you know, our future site hmm. managers. You know, so there, I, I, I guess that, so that's, that's kind of the crux that, you know, there, sometimes it's not from the, it's not the lower end. It, it may be the higher end because there are people in the C-suite or, you know, one level below the C-suite are thinking about how this person comes up in the organization and their future needs more than they are like what's going on on the ground you know, in one yeah. job, in one location. Um, I, I wonder how much of that you've kind of touched touched on, Joe, or if you if you see stuff like that happening still today. 
Well, one thing that I know that AARP had done on a study, you know, what called Let's Rework Work, and they had found that um, performance goes up and employee turnover goes down when you have mixed-age teams. They also found that the productivity of those teams was much higher, you know, not just with creative tasks, but also complex decision-making tasks. And so I think that there are companies that are now beginning to explore forming multi-generational teams, having senior intern programs, you know, making sure that there is an environment conducive, conducive to intergenerational relationships. For example, I think it's really important to not just stress your beanbag chair lounge or your, mm. you know, or and your unlimited gummy worms and whatever. I mean, those may be great, but, you know, for someone who is in a different demographic, maybe that's not their jam. And don't then say, oh, well, then they're not a cultural fit. I think that yeah. cultural fit Amen. thing says you need to look just like us, but actually you are going to eliminate the ability for all of your uh, company to be able to receive mentoring, you know, and, and, and a transfer of knowledge that is imperative for any organization to thrive. So I think that, um, that there are really constructive things that can be done and also if, if people are going to look at the fact that, okay, someone likes wearing a suit to work because that's what they've done for, you know, all of their entire career, are they going to feel included in your company, you know, when they wear their suit? Or are they going to be told, hey, you know what, this is not our culture, you need to dress down? That's basically saying to yeah. someone, we don't accept you for being a diverse individual, right? So we need to yeah. look at what exactly does diversity mean and how is that being interpreted? because it's all being one-sided. So I think we need to balance that. And I think there are many strategic things that can be done by companies. I'm looking at uh, BMW, for example, who created different um, types of shoes and flooring for you know, a, an aging workforce, and it increased productivity and reduced absenteeism. CVS mm. is taking their snowbirds from Minnesota that goes to warmer weather in the winter. And because there's an influx from all over coming in, they need more workers. So instead of having those people have to quit, they're just being transferred, you know, to seasonally work where they live, you know, in yeah. the warmer weathers. And, um, and then MITRE Corporation does a brilliant job of being able to do uh, retirement where people don't have to just suddenly not be working. They can go half days. They can go you know, part-time, but they also put them in mentorship programs, not just in the department in which they were working, but in other departments as well. So they, we have a lot of good examples of things that are being done, but we've got a long way to go, you know, because um, the ADEA, which was passed in 1967, well, for one thing, they defined old as being over 40, but you have to remember that was back in the day when they said, don't trust anybody right. over 30. That was mantra, right? Right. So, um, so the thing is that the Supreme Court recently said, oh, that only applies to people that are in your company. So basically it's like carte blanche to discriminate against people, you know, who are over 40 who are job applicants. And then the, um, the um, Anti-Age uh, Discrimination Act that was passed in 1975, it's now only legally applied to organizations that receive federal funding. So I think where we need to start is to, you know, get legislation where it's just as illegal to discriminate against um, someone who is over 40 as it is um, a female or someone transgendered or someone of 
yeah. name a race, you know, or veteran status or gender identification. I mean, we're doing, we're making progress with all of the areas other than age. It's the only one not being touched because there are zero ramifications for doing so. In fact, attorneys will not take on cases where, you know, someone's been discriminated against because they're not winnable cases. And I think that mm-hmm. this is a very sound commentary, but we can change them. That's the one thing that I really appreciate about, you know, um, education and awareness is that we just need to have our own campaigns. I would love to see the hashtag team or hashtag we're hiring and actually see a mixed age group of team members and not just, you know, people in their 20s and 30s who happen to be male, female, and of different races, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because the optics around that tell a story. Most most assuredly. Um, speaking of optics, and we have about um, we have just about five minutes left. So um, let me let me first give a shout out and a thank you to our sponsor Q, um, who continues to be the supporting uh, sponsor for Drive Through HR. Yay Q! Um, but let me let me toss out one quick uh, last question here. Um, and I uh, you know we've had side conversations about this, but I think it's fascinating. Um, the op- speaking of the optics, um, gray hair or not gray hair, does that <laughs> matter for the job seeker? You know, personally, I had, you know, I think you remember this, Robin. I had pretty much been salt and pepper until mm-hmm. um, I went through that year of, you know, auditioning for roles for which I didn't get the part. <laughs> and I had a good friend who was, who was, a heck of a recruiter, right? She was really good. And she just said, Joe, I've got a job. I want to submit you for it, but you're going to need to dye your hair. And I was like, what are you talking about? She said Mm -hmm. that the organization that she was working in, that that was going to be something that would be a determining factor. And I just resisted, resisted, resisted. And I thought, well, at what point do you just say, you know, with Sammy Davis Jr., I got to be me, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just can't really do that. So I went ahead and dyed my hair. Of course, I didn't get the job anyway. But then, um, I, you know, once you dye your hair, you know how it is. Every two weeks you got to dye your hair, right? Yep. So then um, I decided once this whole thing came out and I was, again, being tapped for commentary on ageism, I thought I need to just be able to be true to my roots, if you will, you know, <laughs> and to, uh, yeah, and so, um, you know, and, and so I'm actually letting my grays grow back in because I feel like at some point, you know, it's like women who um, are in my age category that are trying to look like they're still in their 30s and 40s to be viable to men who are our age, and they're trying to be the same size that they were when they were in college, and I think, you know, at some point, life happens, and we are part of the problem if we just keep trying to change ourselves, you know, to be acceptable yeah. to men, you know, for companies or whatever. So I am really feeling like at at some point we just have to stand up and just say, you know what, I have gray hair. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> guys, can, guys can wear gray hair and it looks just fine on them, right? So I don't understand why we women can't just uh, – be as confident and just say, I'm not going to be defined by this. There, I just wanted to point out, uh, not about dyeing your hair, which I do 
but not because I'm looking for a job, just because I got tired of having her hair. Um, so I'm the opposite for whatever that's worth. There's a there was an article two I think it was two days ago in the Wall Street Journal um, that was that was entitled "Gray Wave of Workers Gives Slow Growing World a Boost in Advanced Economies and Increasing Share of Retirement Age Workers Are Staying on the Job." So it's got a it's got a bunch of interesting data. So if you haven't seen that, Joe, you might want to go go find it. Um, just just in for your you know for info, it's pretty interesting. Um, but that great thing, that's funny. That it's you know that that's another way of kind of pigeonholing people, right? Because they have gray hair, and yet in fashion, I know a lot of younger women, or I see a lot of younger women that are dyeing their hair gray. So I, I'm not sure what all yeah. that means, but it's just kind of we're all weird, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, sorry. Useful, useful tangent with the information. Not so much about society's observations. I'm done. <laughs> well, it's it's, some, it's one way to kind of get rid of conscious bias, but that unconscious bias is still in there. It's ingrained. It's automatic. You know, and we can't change that. Yeah. Yep. Well, we are uh, we are just here at the end of the show, so we have. Uh, just a little bit of time here yet. So, Joe, why don't you um, let our listeners know where they can find you, how they can reach you online, different channels, et cetera. Yeah, the easiest way is just to connect with me on LinkedIn. Out of 600 million profiles, uh, 400 million of which may not be legit, but um, I'm the only Joe Weech. It's just J-O and Weech, W-E-E-C-H. I'm also on Twitter with the same name, at Joe Weech. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, appreciate good discussion. Um, mm-hmm. We're all of a certain age, so we uh, we all get into it, right? Mm. When we <laughs> when we talk about. Oh yeah. That. Yep. Thanks well, for being I on really the show. That, thanks. I love yep. the fact that the Rolling Stones just played here across the water just um, this weekend, and they're all in their seventies. So hey, we ain't going there nowhere. There we go. We're going. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your all day.